0: Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweid & Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweid Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com.
1: Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Like, Bite, and Share podcast. I'm Brad Garoon from Burger Weekly, and I am here with Rev. Stoked to be back, man. Hi, buddy. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I, I love this show. I love what we're doing. I love that it's out there. And I love we get to talk to people about fun marketing things and, and talk hamburgers each week. I love You're that. You're so full of love. I am. I'm, I'm having a loving day here. Speaking of love, any, any burgers uh, cross your love threshold lately?
1: Well, I, I'm going to mention two. Uh, one, because it comes up in our conversation that we have with Mike Tanzillo um, about Burger Lift. I, I met with Mike last week. To talk about all things hamburger, including Burger Lift, and and including that's that's it. And we went to Mercer Kitchen where they serve burgers on Burger Lift, and that burger was pretty great. You can read about what I thought about it on Burger Weekly. And uh, I joined you at the Food Film Fest at the AMC Twenty Five in Midtown, and had a uh, certified Angus beef burger prepared by Schnippers, um, and it was delicious. And it was uh, it was my first Food Film Fest, and I liked it a lot.
0: To explain what the Food Film Fest is for people who don't know, uh, it is a film festival like all others. You go to a movie theater. They show independent films. The director gets up on stage and talks about it afterwards, and it's a film fest. But all the films are somehow themed around food. It could be about a farmer or a purveyor, uh, or it could just be you know somebody playing with food or whatever. And while you're sitting there and you're watching this food on the screen and you're thinking, God, I really like to taste that, or I want to know what that tastes like, it gets served to you in your seat, so it's this multi-sensory experience where you're watching films about food and you're eating food. It's like you know, you're watching that tea, you're watching your TV in a commercial for your favorite restaurant, or something comes on and You're like, "God, I want to eat that right now!" And then you actually eat it. So it, it, it's pretty cool. You, you enjoyed Brad?
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was interesting to watch movies. I went to Meat Night. You know, a ten, what was it? Tender movies about beef? Tender, yes. Yeah. So that was fun. It was interesting to watch. And I'll say right off the bat, wonderful short films. Really, really good about farming, about raising animals to butcher the animals. And it was mostly about local, locally raised meat, uh, which I appreciated. And there was something really romantic about all of it. Kind of made me want to go work on a farm. So I'm wrestling with that in my life right now. <laughs> and then also interesting and, and good timing that um, once the animals are off the screen and the films shifted more towards the food preparation, that 's when the food came out. So I was happy that i didn 't have the pork in my hand while he was playing with the pigs um, but but you know, it never felt inappropriate, it never felt gross. Uh, it felt like a lot of love and care went into these films, and, and I really enjoyed it. And then the food before and after was also just incredible. Thank, a hometown barbecue is always a winner.
0: And, and just so we're specific for the sake of, of storytelling here, you don't just get fed food. You get fed the exact food that's in the movie. Right. And so the, the burger, uh, which you just lovingly talked about, was actually the burger that was made in the film. So George Moats, the festival director, made a film about certified Angus beef, and in there he talks to their head chef, uh, and they're doctor of, of uh, animal sciences, and they make a burger. And while you're watching that burger, then afterwards, you get to hang out with me, and <laughs> you have the exact burger in the film. It had certified Angus beef bacon, it had Schweid and Sons Chuck Brisket, it had the uh, blue cheese melted on it. It was exactly what was in the film. It was good stuff.
1: Yeah, I have to say the coolest part by far, I forget what the name of the film was, but it was about barbecue all throughout Central Texas. It might have been called Central Set- Texas? Central
0: Texas Barbecue.
1: Right. Okay, great. That makes sense. Um, and there was a couple who owned Black's Barbecue and they talked about desegregating their restaurant. And it was so nice to hear from their son. They couldn't make it. I think they're maybe a little too old to travel, but it was so nice that their son came and actually served food from the restaurant. It was, it was a really great way to connect with the film. So that was the highlight of my night.
0: Well, I'm, I've been going for years and I'm glad you came and I'm glad you got to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I'll be sure to go back next year. Awesome, so let's
0: uh, let's segue away the show here, let's talk to Mike Tanzillo. let's talk about BurgerLift and crowdfunding. Two years ago, the world was suffering. Food fanatics around the world faced a problem without a universal solution. Our meals were not living up to expectation, Instagram photos were being jeopardized, and shirts were being ruined. Why? Soggy buns. We've all been there. A tantalizing burger gets served to you and it's cooked absolutely perfectly. Juices are running, toppings are stacked, sauces are oozing, it's a perfect scenario. That is, until you pick it up. The once beautiful and fluffy bun that once perfectly created a bottom frame to your burger has turned into what looks like lumpy oatmeal, and there's no safe spot to place that burger back on the plate. So what do you do? Just hold the sandwich? Now you're in danger of it falling through your fingers. Placing on the bun and hoping the bun's soaking powers are stronger than you anticipated? That's a risky gamble no matter what you do you are facing the tyranny of soggy buns so mike from burgerlift please explain how a lighting artist a lighting director and a dean of teaching at a charter school launch a career in the burgerverse with the sole purpose of protecting burger integrity
2: well rev that was uh, that was quite the dramatic intro i feel like I feel, I feel like that's a lot of pressure so in order to talk about the the burgerlift and the product i think it's important to talk about the history of it so it started because Matt uh, Euro, who's the inventor of the burger lift, would gather every so often with a group of friends and they would just try and find the best burger in New York. They would meet at different restaurants and try different things. While they were on this quest, Matt was noticing that as he was eating his burger, he, just, he never had anywhere to set it down. He uh, was just always setting it on top of his fries, kind of on another plate, on the edge of the plate, and he thought to himself it would be really great if there was just a little stand I could put it on. So Matt's wife, Jasmine, who I work with as a lighting technical director on animated movies, he proposed the idea to her. She thought it was great, and the two of them together started designing uh, designing the burger lift. So they went through many iterations. We have a 3D printer, so we've printed out many different designs for it, and eventually we came up with the design. I shouldn't say we. They came up with the design that we have now, and during the course of that process, so I'd worked with Jasmine on a number of other projects on the side, and she started telling me about this, and I was just begging for the opportunity to come work on it. So they invited me in, and and that is how Matt, a teacher from the Bronx, and some lighting artists at a feature animation studio got together to uh, rid the world of soggy buns.
1: When did you decide that you needed funding outside of what you were going to be able to raise on your own?
2: Well, to, to be honest, I mean, the first thing about whenever you're designing a product that is not on the market. It's not an improvement to something. It is an entirely new product. We just we wanted to see if there was a market for it. We thought it was great. We thought it was amazing. Uh, we were obviously excited about it, but we wanted to get it out there and see whether people wanted it. So we used Kickstarter and, um, and crowdsource funding as a way to not only generate some funds, but just to gauge if there was an interest in it. So that was a great resource for us because when we were designing uh, the Kickstarter, uh, we came up with the number of $10,000 because we thought – so listen, so we all have great families and incredibly supportive friends who are phenomenal and we knew that they would come out and support us. But what we wanted to see was if the rest of the world would be interested in, in supporting us as well. So, so that, that was the, the, the major thing with BurgerLift because we could have gone in and, and invested all of our own money into it, but we needed something to create feedback that, that, this, was, that this was something that was uh, going to be created and not just uh, sit in our closets for the next 20 years so we could, that, that there was actually a market for it.
0: So if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, had the Kickstarter campaign not funded itself, there would not be a burger lift.
2: Uh, that's correct. Yeah, that, that, was our, that was our gauge. So, yeah, if, that, if, if just our mom and dads and siblings had come out to, to give us money and, and we weren't able to get the support that we did from outside the community, yeah, yeah, we would have we said, you know, maybe we would have retooled it. We would have tried some different things. But, but that, was, that was a huge, huge test for us.
1: Given the way that Rev and I, I guess we can get into this in a minute, but uh, Rev and I met Matt and Jasmine on the same night because they were out promoting uh, BurgerLift <laughs> and the Kickstarter campaign. Yes. Uh, so obviously, you know, you didn't put Kickstarter out there into the universe and then just hope that the world would find it and fund it. What was the plan for getting it out in front of people's faces?
2: So here's the thing. We were very naive about the process of launching the Kickstarter, and this is something that we tell people all the time. So I had plans... A, uh, a trip. I was going to New Zealand for about a month and we knew that the Kickstarter was a difficult thing to set up. We were uh, creating, uh, you know, branding for the product, packaging for the product. We were making images for the site and just getting everything together from the manufacturer and from everything to, to get the Kickstarter ready. And our plan was we would launch it right before I left for my trip and um, and then we would just kind of, you know send out some emails, talk to some people, and, but we thought the, the major difficulty of the Kickstarter process was getting it launched. What we failed to understand <laughs> entirely was how, how, how stressful, time consuming and energy consuming that process is. So during the Kickstarter of, of contacting uh, uh, burger lovers and bloggers such as yourselves and, and just getting the name out there to continue the momentum that was being built through the Kickstarter process. So I was on my trip. Uh, I, I pulled a couple all-nighters on my. Uh, all I had was was my iPhone, uh, contacting people, writing uh, blog posts for other blogs, writing articles, doing everything that I could. Uh, Matt and Jasmine were working their tails off back in New York, uh, meeting, uh, meeting with people like your guys, like you guys, and um, and others too. So that that process is really, uh, the biggest thing I can say about it is there are no matter what you're doing, whether you're creating things for for burgers for other food products or really any product out there, there's going to be a niche audience of bloggers and, and writers who are interested who are going to be interested in what you're doing. So it's important to just to, to use a lot of energy during the Kickstarter process to get into contact with those people so that they can relay your product to the rest of the world.
0: Now did you did you have that uh, did you have that list identified before you guys started? Yes.
2: Uh, yes and no. And the list grew as we were developing it. Uh, but we certainly targeted uh, some people ahead of time. And uh, but yeah, as as we got into it, and of course as we we met people, they suggested other uh, other avenues for us to go. And um, and honestly, we tried. So we tried using there's there's services. Anytime you launch a Kickstarter, there are services that are going to contact you and say, hey, well, we can do all these media drops for you if you pay x, x number of dollars. And we tried one or two of those and and those were pretty um, those weren't the best idea because they, they just kind of uh, put your product in with a bunch of other just like it's like a tweet of, of news stuff that, that every news organization out there gets and it just gets lost in the shuffle So it's much more important that the individuals that create their products and Kickstarter campaigns really focus their their marketing attention on, on, on the people that will, um, that will listen so it, 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 yeah so so those those individual services aren't aren't necessarily the best for that
0: throughout the campaign mm-hmm. uh, how important do you think it was that you were marketing yourselves not just the product
2: we try and create a brand as a whole um, you know we're creating a brand of, of this fun product of uh, just being around a group of people having fun eating hamburgers being at barbecues being outside in the summertime um, so a lot of it, a lot of it is, is being a part of that branding and being, being fun and, and outgoing and having a good time. Um, but for those people that are looking at this as a legitimate product, it's also a thing where you want to show that you're, yeah, you're, you're definitely you know, marketing yourself because you want to show that you're serious, you want to show that you're passionate and dedicated and that you know what you're getting into.
1: Is that the only reason you came to my 4th of July barbecue?
2: hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Yeah, I, yeah, I just came, I took one picture, posted to Instagram and I was, I was out of there.
1: Well, I feel very used. <laughs> Doesn't really account for why you watched the fireworks with me. It does but. not, no. Uh,
2: it, tur- it, tur- it turns out, Brad, I actually, I actually enjoyed myself, much to the shock of, of
1: myself. Oh, well, yeah. that's the most backhanded compliment I've ever received. Thank you. Um, how important were the... You know, a big part of crowdfunding is the incentives that a lot of these websites set up. How important was that to... Your campaign and how easy or difficult was that to pay off at the end?
2: Are you talking about like the the rewards that you set up that people exactly um, yeah yeah. that was yeah that was one of the things that we focused uh, pretty heavily on. So when we created the reward system and and the pricing structure of everything, we tried to get a you know we were asking people that we were close to like what type of rewards would 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 be um, a motivation for you? What would you be into? Would you look for one burger lift two four and and we built them from there. As far as pricing them, we were just basically pricing them at that point to cover our cost of, of creating them. So, again, we weren't really looking to uh, use Kickstarter to make a giant profit out of the gate. Um, it was just a, a way of, of, of gauging the interest in the product. And so we went through and we, we set up these very uh, simple reward, uh, reward levels. And then we started just... Because one of the things that came into our head is you always see these Kickstarter rewards with, like, you know, for $1,000, you can do this. Like, you see these, um, the ones that are creating movies. And, like, for $1,000, you can star in the movie and be the main character or whatever. So we thought, well, we need to come up with something big in case, just in case somebody wants to do it. And so our big one was that we would, uh, uh, we would go to, as long as you, so this is what we said. We said we would come to your property and, and do a cookout for you up to 12 people uh, as long as you live within 75 miles of the New York area. And as, as a joke, because, again, we were trying to be lighthearted and funny, uh, we said, or if you were one of our moms. And um, my parents uh, were originally from Chicago, but they, they now live in Columbus, Ohio. My mom saw that and thought, oh, that, that must mean me. And so um, my dad's friends all chipped in. Uh, a large group of them all chipped in and paid for this thing. So I unfortunately had to ask Matt and Jasmine to come with me to uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is a, a very fine city, but not exactly what they had in mind when uh, <laughs> when we had this Kickstarter project. So we had a great time uh, in Columbus, Ohio. But I would I would recommend that the listeners out there be very leery of the big prizes, because you know someone might actually do it.
0: So in other words, your your, your parents trolled your campaign. Yeah,
2: more or less, more <laughs> or less. <laughs> They don't know what that term is, but they definitely did that. <laughs> well, maybe now they hear it on
0: the podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're they're, they're great, but yeah, yeah. That was a tough trip.
0: <laughs> what What other uh, What other lessons did you learn uh, about crowdfunding through the process? I mean, there's probably a lot, but uh, something that might be like a common mistake that somebody else would make, or that you thought was going to work and didn't.
2: Uh, there's so much. Um, there's so much that we learned through that process, and also through through the you know. Taking this idea from from beginning to manufacturing, um, the biggest the biggest or the biggest difficulty that we that we both foresaw and tried to plan for is uh, okay, so one is just the amount of shipping costs that are going to go into these rewards. So you you know we had uh, I think three or four hundred people uh, contribute to um, to our campaign and one of the things that happens is is that you have to uh, physically put all these together and take them to the post office and and mail them out. And that cost is much higher than I think you'd anticipate it being. Um, so that that was that was a big one. And the the, the other big lesson, I can't reiterate this is enough, is just how stressful, how time consuming, how energy consuming the whole crowdfunding thing is. Because again, you just you see these campaigns where it just seems like they just launch it. And it goes crazy, and the numbers, you know. But but it really is a uh, your for the most part, everyone you, you have to scratch and claw and fight your way to your goal. And when it happens, it's the most rewarding thing in the world. I, I think uh, I yeah, we were that was probably one of the happier happier moments of my life was uh, was when we passed our threshold to become successful.
0: That's awesome. Was there like a really crucial time period uh, in the campaign that w- yes. that you could have better prepared for?
2: Um, yeah, the lull in the middle. So there is three phases to every Kickstarter campaign, and you read about it, and it doesn't matter how many times you read about it, you just you just emotionally aren't ready for it. So you launch, and in the first couple days, it's it goes it goes great, you know. You um, and you can see this chart on every website that exists out there. So it's like you spike um, in the first you know two to three days, and you get this wave of like emotion and happiness because everything is going so well. And then from about day... So so our campaign was the normal. It was, you know, 30, I believe, 30 days long. Uh, so from about day three until about, you know, day 20, like right in the middle there, um, that's that's the real fight, because the newness of it is gone, um, and, and there isn't the, you know, there isn't the, this campaign is about to end moment that gets people interested. It's just this middle part where... You're you seem to like you really are fighting for every sale that you can get, and um, you know you just you're not you're not sure if you're going to get there, and uh, so that that was the the most difficult part of the process uh, for us. And then what happens or what happened to us anyway is that in the final, I think with with about a week to go. Uh, actually, it was about five days left to go. We needed um, we were we were seventy percent of the way there. We needed about another three thousand dollars, and um, and that and finally all of our, that was, that seemed like the moment when finally all of our hard work kind of kicked in because that's when there were about five days left and people could see the clock ticking down, and then we got a, a huge wave um, that propelled us. Uh, actually, yeah, we 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 raised uh, we went way we went pretty above and beyond our final goal, like more so than we ever. We ever dreamed of, but the most difficult part is that lull in the middle where you're not you're not getting the rewards. It's like it's like you know when you post a uh, you guys you guys should know this like you post a, a picture to Instagram and in that first like few minutes you get a bunch of likes right and it feels great and then it kind of trickle it trickles off. It's that it's it's that first wave that you get that feels so good and then you, but you have to maintain the momentum uh, even when that goes away.
0: So what what are some tips that you would give? Um, like if you could call Mike in the past and say, <laughs> "Hey, here's how to get through the lull." Or, you know, what would you have suggested to you to do? It's it's just keep going.
2: It's keep 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 contacting people. Keep getting the word out there. It just feels a little f- uh, fruitless for a little while when while you're in it. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like your marketing or your campaigning is working or your social media work is is working, um, because you're not. Seeing the immediate results of it, uh, you have to just keep plugging away. That that would be my thing. Would just say it 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 will benefit you in the end of the campaign. Uh, you're just not going to see the results right away.
1: What method of outreach did you find most effective in getting people to go to the Kickstarter page?
2: It was it was through, uh, so it was through mostly through like blogs of of. So again, it's a, it's a burger-related product. So we found. Uh, uh blogs and 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 social media users like yourselves that would um, talk about the product post about the product tell so so you need to find the people that have a following of customers that you're targeting and then you hit them and then they can bring the customers to you and that that like I said that was the the biggest benefit to us was was to um, so that, that would be my, my advice to people was to, to target those uh, those people who have audiences, who have built-in audiences already of the people that you're looking to to, to, to bring to
0: your product. Like, so when you guys had envisioned the burger lift and decided you're going to make a Kickstarter campaign and you're going to go after and do this, had you thought about what would happen afterwards and how to keep it going, or did that sort of come after the you hit the goal? Well, to be
2: a, a, a little of both. I mean, mostly because... As we said, as I said earlier, you know, the Kickstarter was kind of our do or die moment. You know, it was either going to work, and we were going to continue on, or it was going to die in that moment. So it really was kind of a focal point for us. We understood that we needed to continue the momentum on past that, but at the time and at the moment, I guess we were so focused on getting the Kickstarter successful that it was just kind of like, okay, once we do this, we'll be able to to figure it out after that. Um, so, so I mean, obviously, we were aware of the future of it, but it was so kind of in the balance in that during those Kickstarter days that it was it was uh, it wasn't as much of a focus, I guess, at that point.
1: Speaking of follow up, quite a while after the Kickstarter ended, Matt went on Good Morning America on a sort of Shark Tank mini show that they put together and talked about the Burger Lift. How did you guys set that up? What, how effective was that in, in um, getting people to show interest in the product? Uh,
2: yeah, so that that was a really great. Uh, and crazy week for us. So, the Good Morning uh, America people, uh, the, the producer Good Morning America, contacted us on on Monday and said, "Hey, look, we were uh, made aware of your product through your Kickstarter campaign." Uh, uh, she said that she'd uh, read it in in a in a blog post, uh, a food blog post that we had contributed to, and. She just contacted us on Monday and said, Hey look, we've got uh, Lori grenner from the, the the woman who uh from QVC who's on Shark Tank uh and we're doing these promos. It's called Shark Tank Your Life. And we would love it if you guys came in and um and pitched the product to us. And you know, there was no hope of you know, it it was basically it's it's a it's a commercial for Shark Tank and it was just an opportunity for us to come and pitch the product to her and get her feedback on it. So that was uh that was monday and then and then they said okay well we have another idea for the segment so we're going to have two people come on and pitch and you guys are going to like kind of do a pitch off against each other and she's going to pick one and then you'll get a trophy and we were like okay that's cool we 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 can do that and then the next day it was like oh so instead of doing two people we're going to do four and you're going to send us your pitch and then we're going to have this online poll and the, the top two people from the online poll are going to be the ones that actually pitch on the show. So we went from being on the show to being one of two people on the show to being one of four people on the show with, with the chance that we wouldn't even be on there. So um, – so we went, and, and this was on Monday, the show was going to shoot and air, you know, it's live, so it was going to be on Friday. So they asked that all three of us, Matt, Jasmine, and I each do a pitch to determine which one of us would be on the show, and Matt won the, the pitch off. He is the most handsome of us, so he does the TV stuff, and I do the uh, radio podcast stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so so we, we got the pitch ready to go, and then... So it was like Wednesday when they were like, "Oh, so we're just gonna have this online poll, and as long as you know you guys are in the top two, then you'll be able to pitch it." So then it just became this mass marketing, as much as we could push to our to our social media channels and everywhere to go to get people to vote for us, so we could be on Good Morning America. Uh, we were, and, and again, it was like you know we were up all night. We were um, uh, just trying to to get the word out there about it as much as we could. It was constantly refreshing that page, checking the results, checking to see how things were going, contacting all of our, uh, you know, like I said, friends and loved ones and family. And um, and 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 we didn't know. So here's the crazy part. So they didn't, at no point did they really tell us who the top two were. It was just kind of like with about, you know, we they'd already done the rehearsals and it was about, you know, 10 minutes before it went live that they told us, okay, burger list. Uh, you guys are, you guys are one of the two. You guys are going to be on there. So Matt had to like, you know, he had his, he had his 30 seconds uh, pitch together in his head and we had some, you know, you can see the, the pitch on our website. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we had, we had very, <laughs> a very few uh, precious seconds before uh, we went on to that. We actually knew that it was happening. So, uh, it all kind of happened in a flurry. It was great. Uh, you know, we got to not only pitch the product to to Lori, um, but she t- got to talk to us afterwards and uh, gave us some advice on the product and some advice on how to um, keep moving forward. She was really positive about the whole thing, and uh, yeah, I mean, and and we were able to get on national TV for a thirty second pitch. So it was it was it was really. A great
0: kind of whirlwind experience for us. And did that uh, did that move the needle at all for the company or the Kickstarter?
2: It was at, it was it was after the Kickstarter, but it definitely moved the the, the product. Um, it, we you know we've got all the analytics on our website, so we saw a huge spike that day, and it obviously and it generated some uh some some sales. And it was yeah, it was it and and to be honest with you, it was just kind of a it was a great opportunity for us to 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 hone that 30 second pitch. And it was also it's it's also proven since then to be uh, something that people uh, uh, bring up often with us. They'll they'll you know they'll ask us about it, or we'll show you know we'll show them the clip and be like, this is what we this is how we would pitch if we were on Shark Tank. Now there are people that that get confused and think that we were successfully on Shark Tank, and they <laughs> they think that you know we sold the product on Shark Tank because of that. So um, uh, I can I can safely say that that was not the goal of the Good Morning America. Jasmine, Matt, and I are still the proud owners of Burger Lifts. Uh, Mark Cuban uh, does not have a stake in it. <laughs> so.
1: I know you're working on some new packaging for the product. Are you going to put "as seen on Good Morning America" on the on the packaging?
2: Uh, it's you know we we fought over that. We definitely have it on our website and we talk about it, but we didn't want it to be um, like an "as seen on TV" thing. And we also we feel that, or I felt that, by doing that, it was kind of um, we're, it was kind of, It. how do I say this? It's kind of the, that feels like if you do something like that, it's like that was the pinnacle of the product. That's the best it'll ever get. And we want to continue growing and being in more places and being seen in, in, in more. So um, we, yeah, that was just, we feel like that was just kind of the start for us. And we, we want to, uh, you know, keep growing that and, and not have that be the pinnacle we want to keep going.
0: I think you make a good point. A lot of people look at Kickstarter as sort of like a beginning, middle, and end to something. But, you know, now that you've funded yours and you have a real product and and it's been approved, you now have a company uh, and you now have to see that through. So, you know, now that you have Burgerlift and it's been funded now, how do you guys keep keep that alive? How do you keep it fresh without, like, you know, the the campaign of a Kickstarter behind it to get people interested? Well, that's yeah that's that's one
2: of the most interesting parts of this process because again when you're starting a business of any kind I'm sure any like regardless if it's a Kickstarter whether it's an online or uh, you know whatever the business is that's one of the things that you uh, that that everyone struggles with I mean how do you maintain longevity I mean it, it's, it's it's a it's a marathon it's like where the Kickstarter is such a sprint uh, this is a, a marathon process you know you're trying to grow a brand over a long period of time so for us we're just Every day, all the time, just trying to find new ways to get it, get the product out there. Uh, find new restaurants you don't know about us. We uh, even this 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 weekend we just got our, our largest uh, production of the burger lifts in. Um, you know we have we just got uh, I think it's it's close to six thousand burger lifts uh, in, and uh, we just spent the, the weekend putting together uh, little sample packages for restaurants. Um, you know, we were just kind of sitting. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's that's the other thing. Like, so my official my official job title of Burger Lift am the head of marketing and sales. Um, but when you work for a small company, that means that you do your job title doesn't matter. You just do everything, and so that includes on a on the weekend uh, sitting and packaging sample Burger Lifts into packages so that we can send them out to um, as as many restaurants as we can uh, that have burgers that we feel uh, would benefits from it. So. That's that's kind of our focus right now is just to get these in front of as many burger loving people and specifically restaurant um, owners and chefs who would uh, who would be willing to use the product. So our our motivation is um, that that we just want to keep growing and uh, we definitely definitely just want to move the product because again this is this is something that we feel um, will make. Burger eating better. We just we feel like this is this is a product that will make people enjoy
0: their meal even more. So we just
2: want to get it out there.
0: The marketing plan for you moving forward is it to try to reach burger lovers uh, through an experience at a restaurant or is it more of an online thing? Like how do you how do you market this product moving forward? It's a, it's a tricky
2: one because again it's it's a brand new product that people aren't familiar with. So we have to we have to make them aware of its existence. We have to make them so it, it's one of those you have to make them aware of the problem and then. And then uh, you know, show them that that the problem exists because I can't tell you how many times we've mentioned this to somebody, and and get it you know get a text from them, get an email from them a couple days later, and go you know what my buns have been so soggy like you are exactly right. And so so to get back to your question about the marketing <laughs> of it, we're going to uh, um, <laughs> so our focus right now is to get it into restaurants. Our idea is that we want to get people used to. Uh, seeing them, eating off of them, just used to the experience of using them. And once they are exposed to that, once they're familiar with eating off of burger lift, we feel like that could translate into retail sales. So we are, I mean, we obviously, we're, we're definitely planning on both. They make great presents for people, but for the, the purposes right now, our marketing rollout plan is to hit restaurants, get them in restaurants, get people used to them, and then translate that to retail sales.
0: What is the number one way which you find people find out about Burger Lift?
2: Um, they find out about Burger Lift through our the, the, well, one of the biggest ones right now. It's it's amazing the power of, of social media. Um, that was something else that's really kind of fascinating me through this whole process. Is um, uh, for us, we uh, Instagram has proven to be the the largest um, output resource. So you know, we we go to a restaurant, we. We uh, always have burger lists with us. Uh, we'll get a burger, we'll put it on the uh, put it on the burger list, take a picture, Instagram it, um, interact with the the chef or the restaurant owner that way, and um, that's that's one of the biggest ways. Um, and then and then really, it's just uh, it's just getting out there and interacting with people. Like I said, for the for the restaurant standpoint, it's it's mostly going into the restaurants, meeting with them, shaking their hand, um, and having salespeople. Um, in different parts of the country doing the same thing. So it's it's at, at first got to get it in there and then make them aware of the product um, and and they'll enjoy it from there. But for the, the general public, it's, it's mostly social media and mostly Instagram.
1: So how are you finding these salespeople all over the country? That's a good question.
2: Uh, there are uh, Elance um, where you can post job resumes for salespeople. Um, that, that's a really good one. And, you know, you can also use the uh, Monster and all of the other
1: uh, job application processes.
2: But finding good salespeople is a really, it's a tricky process. So wait,
0: wait, we can we can work for BurgerLift? Yes. You can.
1: Oh, I already got my application.
0: Yes. Yeah, you do. Oh, how are your sales so far, Bradley?
1: Zero. <laughs>
0: well, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a commission bonus in your Christmas document. <laughs> well,
1: I just I'm going to put out there my little pitch for BurgerLift. The compensation package is really, really good. And I just need to start doing it. So, uh, yeah. So it's so part
2: of the packages of Burgerless that we were putting together this weekend. Um, many of them are going to go to Brad, uh, or not many of them. Some of them are going to go to Brad, and 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 to all of our other salespeople <laughs> to have them to give out. And uh, Rev, if you're looking for some in your Christmas stocking, we would love to have have you as a
0: part of it as well. <laughs> I love Burgerless. <laughs> <Lifts. laughs> What what does it mean to, to work for Burger Lift or how does this work? Can you explain that to people and is it is this something that anybody with a Kickstarter or product could do? Are you talking about being a salesperson for Burger Lift or it, well I mean specifically what does it entail to be a Burger Lift salesman? And then if I have my own Kickstarter, my own product, could I also go this route? How would that work?
1: Sure.
2: I mean, cuz it's one of those things if if your if your product is one that you want to see all over the country, all over the world, you're going you, you can't physically be everywhere all the time on your own so you're going to have to enlist the help of other people. So the process for us is, okay so we're enlisting salespeople and we are giving them a very handsome uh, reward package at this point because again we're just trying to get the word out there and um, so from our standpoint we're just collecting uh, as many people as we can to, to get as, as, as many restaurants aware of it through our army of burger love and burger lifters and if you had your own Kickstarter I would say um, that yeah, this is something that anybody can do because there are uh, yeah any 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 sales rep- there are plenty of sales representatives out there with with focuses in almost any industry, and
0: um, and they could be useful in, in all of these avenues. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I wasn't sure if there was like a uh, like an instruction manual that you get with your first uh, you know my first Kickstarter kit. Have- no, no way.
2: There's there's nothing like that. That will never exist anywhere. This is all stuff you figure out on your own as you're going out there and 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 trying and. Um, so that's that's another thing. So um, we we inherited this. We we learned this through um, I forget where we got this from. I wish I could credit the source. But the idea is to uh, fail fast. And um, the idea is that whenever you're doing one of these startups, whenever you're doing a Kickstarter, uh, you're going to come up with ideas and you're going to try them and they are not going to work. And whether it's a, a marketing campaign or a you know an, an avenue of getting your product out there through marketing. Um, you have to be able to recognize when it's not working, and what we say, um, and Jasmine and Matt and I say this to each other all the time, is we just say the term like, you know, what guys, we need to fail fast on this one. This is not working. Let's let's change change avenue and go again. So, um, so yeah, that's that was something about this process. So, in terms of, of finding salespeople who are doing anything, there's never going to be an instruction guide. You're going to have to figure it out on your own, and you're going to make mistakes along the way, and you're not going to. Don't beat yourself up for it. Just fail fast and move on to the next thing.
0: So, in in other words, Brad, you need to uh, either uh, you know burger lift or get off the lift here right. with with your sales position. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: By the way, Brad's sales position has been a total of I think
2: like five days now. So I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be too hard on him yet.
1: I I, I know I, I, I met with Mike. I, I we talked I talked about this earlier. We met with Mike. We. We talked about this and then it took a few days to get the email with the manual in it. so I'm, <laughs> yeah, a, I'm not like, wasting time, although no
2: it did it so we needed to um, yeah, so I needed we needed to work out you know I met Brad uh, talked to him about the idea and then needed to uh, run everything past Jasmine and Matt as well and then and now we're we're ready to. so I'm gonna see Brad again. I'm um, gonna see you guys this this week, at a, a, and uh, and when we do so, I will have a package of Burger Lifts to give Brad and all the other all the other goodies that he can use as he's going out on his Burgering
0: adventures to promote the Burger Lift. Mike, I think you just uh, you alluded to something that's happening this week that no doubt will be spoken about on a later podcast. So, Brad, you and I may have to discuss bringing Mike back just to discuss. What we're doing I, later this week?
2: <laughs> I would love that. You can, I cannot tell <laughs> how excited I am about this. 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 Uh, what we're going to be doing later this week? So yeah, yeah, we can devote. I think an entire show could be devoted to what we're doing later this week. So, uh, that will be a bur- that
0: will be very burger nerd centric. <laughs>
2: <laughs> very that'd be a very specific group of people. That would I think it would just be the three of us listening to it over and over and over
0: again. Well, well, with with uh, the notes of being a burger nerd, you know, Mike, we like to close out the show by asking our guests a, a couple of standardized questions we have here. Uh, and the first one we always ask is, what is your favorite burger from childhood? So um,
2: that's a very, very good question. So when I was growing up, I grew up on the, I was born on the south side of Chicago, and um, my grandfather had a uh, a number of of businesses, and one of them was a uh, a hot dog stand. And uh, I I can't find a better memory than having a you know burger at the grandfather's ha- at the grandfather's hot dog stand. So that was um, that was a big one. And I I should um, I'm gonna roll this into another quick story if that's okay. About um, so he had a multitude of businesses all the time, and he kind of had this uh, uh, ability to think that he could do anything. You know, he did construction, he did. Uh, restaurants, he had a bar, he had all these different things, and I think that's important if you're doing a startup now is to kind of have um, the confidence that you can do anything because there's so many people who do these startups that uh, find reasons why they can't do it or find a reason why it's not going to work, and so I think if just a, having a little bit of the ability to uh, to think that you can do anything is is important in this is is important in this process. So it's partially my favorite burger and. Um, he's, I always think back to him when um, when I think about um, not being afraid to try something new, and, and that I, you know, not being as afraid to try and accomplish something new.
0: Well, Mike, I think with that answer, you actually answered also the last question, (laughs) I guess. I I don't think that's necessarily true, but go ahead, go ahead, continue. That would be what's the one piece of advice you would give to somebody in the food marketing business, which I think you just did. So let's let's go to the other question, which Brad will ask you.
1: So I might already know the answer to this, but maybe you'll surprise me. What was the last burger that you ate?
0: I had a lovely date with Brad
2: uh, at the Mercer Kitchen. Um, and we had we had the burger there, which um, is one of my favorite places to have a burger. Not because the burger is delicious, but because they are proud owners of the Burger Lift. So, um, you know, I spent all this time going through the Burger Lift Kickstarter and the early sales process, bringing my own Burger Lift to restaurants and 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 telling them about it. That they were one of the first to have burger lifts uh, in their in their door, so it's great to just sit back and have somebody bring you a delicious delicious burger on a burger lift.
0: that's yeah, pretty awesome.
2: I got to tell you, when once, uh, yeah, our first time, Matt Jasmine and I went to a restaurant and had someone serve us burgers on a burger lift. It real, that was really kind of a magical. That was another magical day. That was a great one.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. It was it was cool. That was my first burger on a burger lift in a restaurant experience that I didn't have to put on the plate myself. So yeah, exactly. And cool.
2: it's and and. Um, and I always say this, that the, that the very first time uh, that we tested any prototypes, we were at a friend's uh, barbecue, and I remember Jasmine just asking me, Mike, does, is it working? Mike, does it work? And I was like, it's, it's fine. It's working. There are no moving pieces in it. We didn't exactly design the flux capacitor here. It's, it's just a So yes, it works every time,
1: I promise. Great. Well, uh, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show and letting everybody know how to run a successful Kickstarter and uh, giving them some cautionary tales as well. Yeah, and of course. Um, why don't you just let everybody know where they can find one?
2: Sure. So uh, our product is on our website. It's www.burgerlift.com. We have our stainless steel burger lift. We also have our brand new red per- plastic burger lift. Both are dishwasher safe, and the plastic one is microwave safe as well. Um, you, we've got, like I said, we've got, just got our biggest production, so we've got plenty in stock, uh, and it's just in time for the holiday season. So they make great stocking stuffers to your burger-loving friends and family out there. So, um, yeah, so order them through www.burgerlift.com or you can follow us uh, either on Twitter. Instagram or Facebook. Uh, every one of them is just BurgerLifts.
0: Awesome, Mike. Thank you for being on the show today. really, really appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you. Looking forward to eating with you again and using Burger Lifts. And, uh, you know, I think you gave some great insight for people here looking to how to uh, crowdfund their own project. Thank you. Great. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.